0: Oh, those are so good. So good to hear. Let's turn our attention towards Jesus. Oh, thank you. Thank you that you are our healer in the midst of us, and you do good things. Oh, thank you for taking pain. It says you bore our sorrows, carried our infirmities. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And you set us free. And for those who experienced you know, little bits of relief, the beginning of that change, just like Our sister was sharing this. she was driving to lunch. She she realized it was all gone. Um, We just look to see the continuation of that freedom, of that pain-free state. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Whoo, amen. Oops, my papers all hit the floor. Jesus. So um, this... uh, I have some guests here. My daughter here is right is is here in the middle, and my sister, and my friend David. They're all here visiting. And uh, my daughter brought these little badges, and it says, "Oh, but you're here." So, so who would like to have a reminder of that? All the, you had your hand up first. Whoops. Well, actually, it was to her, but. It, it, it caught the wind and veered towards you. You must have been <laughs> pulling it in. <laughs> oh, it's a magnet. You slide the magnet off the back. and Yeah, so sometimes we need to be reminded. And just, oh, but you're here. Yes. The game changer. Who Yeah. So who... Um, struggled and strived and worked really hard in the last session to get somebody healed. Anybody? <laughs> Who had fun? <laughs> Amen. Uh, you know healing's only hard, like I said, when it's all about us and what I can do or can't do or know or don't know, or you know it's really easy when it's all about him. It's all about his goodness, his love, his plan. He came as the healer. He introduced himself in Exodus 15. He said, I'm the God who heals you. It was before they needed healing. But he said, I'm the God who heals you because that's his plan. Yeah. It says in Isaiah, he bore our sicknesses, carried our infirmities. It says in Psalm 103, I love this one. You know, he forgives some of our sins and heals some of our diseases. No, no. All, oh, he forgives all our sins and heals all our diseases. That's what it says. Yeah, what if everything God said is true? What if? You know, what if we just choose to agree with God, you said that, and so I'm going to agree with that? That you heal everything. Yeah. And, you know, what we find all the time is, you know, people ask, well, when Jesus was on the earth, like if you read the Gospels, how many people who came to him got healed? That's what it says. All it says it says they came from all the surrounding regions and he healed them all. How many people that he went to to pray for got healed? It Says he healed them all. How many people who touched the hem of his garment got healed? How many people that he touched got healed? You <laughs> no, it's just it it just says he does. He just that's just what he did everywhere he went because he came and it says he preached the good news the kingdom of heaven is here now that's what he did he says he's he taught in their synagogues he preached the good news that the kingdom of heaven is here and he healed every kind of sickness and disease among the people and then when he sent his disciples out um i mean matthew 10 and luke and you know several places it says he said preach go out and preach say the kingdom of heaven is here And heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Freely you've received. What have we received? A kingdom. Him. Yeah. We've received him, the king, and we've received a kingdom. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. It's a gift. He's a gift, and and his kingdom's a gift. We've received it. Freely give. And with the kingdom comes all manner of things. And so our standard is Jesus he healed everybody. Okay, now sometimes our experience doesn't measure up to that standard. We how many of you've ever prayed for somebody and seen them get healed? Anybody? Yep. How many of you've ever prayed for somebody and you didn't see them get healed? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so, if we looked at our experience, we would say sometimes Jesus heals and sometimes he doesn't. But is that what his word says? No. And so, what we need to realize is, I am never going to bring the level of his word down to the level of my experience and create doctrines that say, he's not healing today, uh, it's not your time, you must have sin in your life, you must not, you know, all of these reasons why it doesn't work. We're not going to create doctrine. We're going to keep his standard as the standard until all my experiences come up to the level of his standard because we're growing into him. And so it's really important not to diminish the standard because I'm not seeing it or it's not my experience. Because the truth of God's word is the truth. And I'm never going to partner with part truths or lies because I'm not seeing the truth. I'm going to agree with the truth until my experiences line up with truth. And when you go that way, you begin to see more and more and more happening. When you diminish the standard and say, God's not healing today, guess what you see? No healing today. (laughs) How many times did Jesus say, "Mm, it's not your time. You'll have to come back another day. He never did in the Gospels. (laughs) And so... In this world, there are two mindsets. I mean, you know, there, you know what a mindset is? It's just a pervasive thought system. Over, it can be over an area. You can have it over cities. I don't know what the mindset over Phoenix is, but you know, I, I, um, in Reading, it used to be poverty. It used to be called poverty flats. But we're, we're but it's changing. It's becoming prosperous because people have come in and said, "No, nope, we're breaking that." agreement with that lie. And so there are mindsets, and, and the basic, there are two basic mindsets. So there's the mindset of um, the, a poverty mindset or orphaned mindset. It's a, it's a mindset that's more aware of lack than it is of abundance, more aware of problems than it is of the answer. And so would you say the world is under a poverty mindset? Okay, have you ever watched the news? Is the news more aware of the problems? Is it making the world more aware of the problems? Is it telling us what we don't have enough of? Okay, and this is a poverty mindset. God created the world, and he put man in it, and he said it's good, and he created everything for abundance. Yes? Okay, and so the the other mindset is an abundant kingdom mindset. Now, Jesus said, you know, there is a thief, and he comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's always trying to diminish your options and diminish your capabilities, diminish what you can have. And, and you know, that's the mindset of this world, Said so the prince of this world is you know, over the mindset of this world. And it, it's all about the diminishing of options and what we don't have and can't have and don't do. Have you ever heard that you're not good enough? You can't do enough. You can't be enough. You can't, you know, all of the not enoughs. And maybe a person didn't specifically say that to us, but the, the voice is in our head. You know, you're not good enough. You can't, you know, and even as a Christian, not enough anointing. You better do something to get more anointing. Who? who who's, what's the name of that guy who moved inside? Oh. Holy Spirit, he is the anointing of God. And he moved inside. So we actually have access to all the anointing that's in the universe. And so we can look at, um, you know, what's not happening because there is a thief that's always trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But when he's doing his steal, kill, destroy work, like imagine, just imagine this if you can. What, What if... What if there was a, a worldwide pandemic and everything shut down? I mean, try to imagine that if you can. <laughs> it would be so weird. <laughs> it was weird, wasn't it? It was way weird. Okay, so does that look like this thief doing his steal, kill, destroy? Thing. destroying businesses, destroying health, stealing, you know, robbing from your health, from your freedoms, from your ability to, you know, make income and to, you know, all kinds of things. That's the steal, kill, destroy. What Jesus said is that's, that's all the enemy does. But when he's doing it, what is Jesus doing? It says, but I came that you might bring, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. John ten ten. 10. Okay, so whenever the enemy's doing his steal, kill, destroy work, Jesus is here with life and life more abundantly. And he's looking for, does somebody want to partner with abundant life? The world is in steal, kill, destroy. Who wants to partner with abundant life? And so as soon as, you know, the world shut down, you know, people couldn't come to our healing rooms. So we went online. Well, we didn't go online first. We went on telephones. And we just did these crisis line things where... People could call in, and we and our teams, I told you we had 866 volunteers, So, and and David was one of our volunteers then, um, we manned phone lines uh, eight hours a day, seven days a week for 11 weeks straight. Our teams would take one to four-hour session. At first, it was four hours, and then everybody goes, like, no. Nah. <laughs> how about two? <laughs> but... And people were calling in, and the, the pervasive thing people were calling in about was anxiety and fear, you know, because of all that was happening. And so we lifted off anxiety and fear, we released joy and hope, and we saw people get healed. Um, you know, people could get healed on the phone of COVID symptoms. You know, all kinds of miraculous healing. And so we did that for 11 weeks, and then we went... This isn't very sustainable. <laughs> we need to do something else. So we went to back to our Saturdays, which we normally had our healing healing rooms, and then you know, we, we had access to a Zoom account then. Because we, we didn't have access to one. And um, a free Zoom account just goes for an hour, and we you know, we were having people call for hours, and so um, we got access to a paid Zoom account and then we had teams on Zoom and we began to pray for people. and We began to see people get healed uh, over Zoom of of all kinds of symptoms. And we began to play with Zoom because our healing rooms is playing with His goodness, just like we did last session when people were praying. We do crazy things. Well, on a Zoom screen, you feel rather restricted. So we had to decide, okay, how can we change this a little bit? Well, I found that if you press a on somebody's picture, you can slide them into a different space on the screen. And so we'd slide somebody in the middle you know, that had COVID symptoms, couldn't breathe. And we go, OK, you are in the middle now. You're in the screen above. You're on the side. I want you. To get in the presence of God and just push the glory of God through (laughs) your little square, and the person in the middle would start, you know, like hit the table and start shaking as the glory of God came through to them, and then they'd breathe and go, "I can breathe," (laughs) you know. And we say, "Well, can you taste?" And go, "I don't know." And they'd run and get something, and they could taste. Their smell opened up. You know, we we just had miracles happening right on the Zoom screen because. In the midst of steal, kill, destroy, God's doing life and life more abundantly. And he's just looking for people to partner with him. And we can be drawn to the mindset of lack and limitation, all the problems in the world, or even in praying like we did in the last session, you know, somebody's got a problem and we can be completely engaged with that problem and forget to engage with the healer who's right here. And so in every situation where there's steal, kill, destroy, diminishing of options, uh, you know, anything happening uh, that's not the abundance of God, we have a choice to go, Okay, oh, but you're here. You're here bringing life and life more abundantly. I'm going to partner with your life and life more abundantly program. And I don't even know how to do it, but here I am. (laughs) And he You know, he gives us ideas, he gives us downloads, he gives us impressions, he gives us prophetic words. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are not for me to say, I am a gifted prophet, I am such a gifted healer. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the Holy Spirit giving a gift to that person who needs it, and he's just looking for somebody to carry the gift to that person. Say, it's not all about me. Yeah, and I used to... I used to, I don't know if you do this in this church, so I, maybe I shouldn't say it, so if I step on your feet or kill sacred cows, we can have a barbecue later. <laughs> but, but in the 80s in church, I mean, everybody was taking gifts tests, wanting to know, what's my gift? You know, and It's all me, my gift, my gift. Hey, that's not what it's about. They're all gifts for us. And they're all free to use every single one of them because they're God's gifts to minister to somebody else. And so you may not be a prophet. You may have never prophesied. But because you care about that person, you can hear God's heart for that person and speak into their life a word of prophecy. You may not be the healer. You know, my hands, they're burning. I've got the gift of healing. You you just might be somebody. We're all just somebody. Oh, but you're here, and that person needs healing. Oh, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? The gift of healing is a gift to the church, and I'm going to pray, and it says, those who believe shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Wow, you said that, God. I think I'll just try it. Let's take that one out for a test drive. You know, and you can go by your track record and say, well, I've done this before, and it didn't happen. Or you can go by Jesus' track record and say, Wow, I think it happened every time you do it, so go for it, Jesus. (laughs) Here's a hand. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) See, we're practicing partnering with the one who moved inside who wants to partner with us. That's his game. That's what he, he, (laughs) he created this game. I love to play it. It's called the Greater Works Game. Remember that one? He said, the works that I do, you shall do, and even greater works than these, because I go to the Father. Remember that? John chapter 14. What's the because I go to the Father part mean? Anybody know? Holy Spirit, I think that's it. (laughs) Yes, he did go to the Father. Yep, and then he said, when I go to the Father, we will send... The gift of the Father, the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. He is with you, but he will be in you. Okay? We get to do the greater works than him. I mean, that's ridiculous. What's a greater work than Jesus? I don't know. He said it. It's his game. And so I go, yes, please, put me in the greater works game. Put me in, coach. I want to play. I don't know how, but yes, I want to play. And the good news is we don't have to know what we're doing. In this world, you grow in maturity by learning more and more and more and figuring out how to do everything. The good news in the kingdom is maturity in Christ is an ever-increasing awareness of my total dependence on him. And so I step into a place that's way outside my league to do something that I'm totally unable to do. And they go, oh, but you're here. And you have gifts of healing for the church, and here's somebody who needs healing. Put me in, coach. I don't know what I'm doing. And, and, and it's good. I mean, this is ridiculous. and it's the opposite of the world, because it's good to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Because you're not directing him on how to do it. You're not the, the expert he is and I'm just along for the game. I like to see miracles. And like I shared earlier, I love the ones that are um, almost accidental miracles. I had this wonderful experience. It was not this past summer, but the summer before. I was in Northern Ireland, and we were doing this great big outdoor crusade, and, you know, giant circus tent, and tons of people. Everybody brought lawn chairs, and they're in there, and they have worship bands, and we had, uh, you know, preaching and healing and, you know, uh, evangelism and all, all kinds of things. Actually, there was a man who came uh a team went out and they led him to Jesus and they brought him to the meeting and he's gloriously born again. And then he goes, Wait, 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 I've got to make a phone call. And he goes and he makes a phone call because he put a hit on somebody and he had to call it off because now he was a believer and he knew he couldn't do that. <laughs> Two lives were saved that day. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't really run into that before. I, I thought it was remarkable. So <laughs> so um, I was one of the speakers at this meeting. We had wonderful healing times. But um, because I was visiting, and I, I, come from, I live in California, not in Northern Ireland, my host had given me a lawn chair to have, you know, so I'd have a seat because it was all lawn chairs. And... I because I wasn't ever sitting down. I was roaming around doing mischief and messing with people and having fun. Um, you know, I'd completely forgotten where I'd put the lawn chair, and I had this wave of responsibility come over me during a break, and I thought, I, I better find the lawn chair, you know, my host lawn chair. And so I'm looking around, and, you know, this is the tent. There was an area over here, and I saw a blue chair, and I thought, well, this was blue. Maybe that's it. Nobody's sitting in it. So I went over, and I said, hey, does this belong to anybody? And I said no. So I thought, okay, I think it's there. So I, I took it all the way to the back of the tent. And all of a sudden, there's this woman with this, this super heavy cane. She's, you know, it, it's attached to her whole arm and she's hobbling and she's coming after me. And she goes, You've stolen me chair. <laughs> I went, Oh no, I took the crippled lady's chair. <laughs> I felt horrible. And so I'm I'm going, hey, I'll take it back for you. And so I'm walking back. She's kind of hitting me with a cane, you know. (laughs) And all the people on the side are going, you stole her chair. I went, yes, it's true. I stole the crippled lady's chair. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And so I get up to the front and I say, you know, how come you have the cane? What what happened to you? She said, well, um, I think it started with diabetes, but then she lost all circulation in her leg. She said, they're actually saying they have to amputate my leg. Next week I'm going in for the... Test because they want to amputate my leg. you know, like next week. I went, wow! Can I pray for you? And so I prayed for her, and she, she her leg started getting warm. She went, whoa! I haven't it hasn't been warm. I haven't had feeling in it, um, but you know it still wasn't it, it. wasn't healed, but she she was feeling heat, which was awesome. So we did this thing um, at the end called a fire tunnel which is really fun. Maybe we'll have to do one of those. (laughs) Where we have two rows of people, and you walk through them, and everybody lays hands on you, and they release and pray, and, you know, just whatever. So this woman, um, she comes to the fire tunnel. She comes hobbling in on her cane, and I see her at the other end of the fire tunnel walking out, swinging it over her head. (laughs) Ho! God touched her in the fire tunnel, she went to the doctor the next week and I got a text from them saying that they're canceled the, um, uh, what do you call that thing? Amputation and, and her leg's fine. <laughs> Whoa, Jesus. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> oh, God, you're so good. I, I love your works, you know, and, <laughs> It's all about us seeing the abundance of what he offers us from heaven. And you might not know what he offers. We have an inheritance, he says. Doesn't he say that? Yeah, he says we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that doesn't fade away, preserved in heaven for us. Okay, so, you know, an inheritance that we get, It, I mean just because you have money in the bank, does that mean that you're always, it's always going to be there? It's just going to be, everything's safe in the bank. The economy of this world is just <laughs> reliable. I trust it. <laughs> you know? Hey, anything can happen. Just because you own your house, anything can happen. I'm not prophesying things will. I'm just saying that that is not my security. My security is in him. Okay? Um... Oh Jesus, thank you that you are trustworthy and safe. I can trust in you when the world seems to be falling apart. And I don't don't put my trust in the things of this world, but in you and your faithful. You know, and, and we still want to be good stewards of stuff, but we don't want to make the stuff our God. We just want to steward it well. We want to take care of everything. I want to be a I mean, I want to be a good steward of everything. And God gave me this vision years ago. um, We lived on a farm in the mountains of Colorado. And Faith was actually born on that farm. Um, And we, uh, it's kind of a a long, crazy story, but um, I, I was living in an Indian teepee at the time. For three years in the mountains of Colorado, summer and winter, lived in a teepee. It was wonderful, yes, as you do, you know. I met my wife because she pitched her teepee across the creek from my teepee. <laughs> hey, true story. That's <laughs> what happened. <laughs> oh! <laughs> but you know, living in a teepee, I, um, you know, we, we started farming. This fellow had a farm. Uh, you know, he had eighty acres, and friends had forty acres across the road. And we combined them and you know, farmed together, all living in teepees. And uh, and then something happened. There was a big blow up on the farm and everybody moved away. And the owner of the farm moved away. And he said, we're all leaving and you can have the farm. So here I, I've got access to this farm. Now, I, he didn't give me the deed to the farm, but we were able to... Uh, you know, planned on it. We built, I, I built a house there. We built a, a barn. We built a root cellar, you know, a shop. All, and, and we lived there for 15 years and farmed and got all the produce from the farm and everything. And and that was the time during the season that I started reading the Bible. And I read about Genesis where God, he he. You know, he created everything for abundance. He he created trees with the fruit and the seed for reproduction right in the fruit. And I'm a farmer, and I'm going, yeah, this is how you work. You know, everything is, you know, it 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 reproduces. It's for abundance. It's for life. And then I read, I got to Abraham, and and God gave Abraham the whole land, but Abraham didn't own any of the land, and yet he drilled wells wells in it. And I said, oh God, that's how you work we have access to everything but we're just stewards of it we just take care of it as if it's our own but really you own it all and and so as we go through life as stewards i mean i got the idea of stewardship so so much i mean i i steward Bath, public restrooms. When I go in, if there's stuff all over the floor, paper, I, I just put it in. In the airplane, just was on two two flights. I always go in those little tiny rooms, and there's stuff, you know, paper all over the floor. And I always wish I had gloves, <laughs> but I'll take a paper towel and I'll pick everything up and make it because I want it to be a nice place for the next person to come in. You know, and it, it's. And and nobody has to know that I do it, but I'm stewarding it as unto the Lord because he's given me access to everything because I have this abundant mindset that I have access to anything. We've been given, I think, eight different vehicles, and I've given away probably 10 different vehicles. I mean, they come and they go. But I realize that everything, you know, God has access to everything, and as we're good stewards, we get whatever we need. And sometimes we have a deed to it and sometimes we don't, but we have it all. We've rented lots of places and we've taken care. We've planted trees and flowers and places that we rented and we've owned places and you know, made them beautiful because I feel like we're stewards of this earth. And that's how God created Adam and Eve, to steward it, to tend it, to keep it, to guard it, to protect it. And they blew it, but he gave us another chance because Jesus came as the second Adam, and he regained the inheritance, and it says in Hebrews chapter 1 that he became the heir of all things. Doesn't it say that, Hebrews one one, Jesus became the heir. Now, it also says in Hebrews one, 1 that he created all things. Yes? Okay, you can look it up if you don't believe me. Okay, so if he created everything, didn't he already own it? I mean, he created it. He made it. So why did he have to inherit it if it was already his? Glad you asked why. (laughs) He did it as a man for us. See, man was given the inheritance of the earth, and man gave it away. And God said, no, 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 that's not the plan. And so he, he came as a man, born as a man, born of woman. And then he died and took on the sin of the world. And he regained for mankind the inheritance as a man. And now it says in Romans, we are co-heirs with Christ. Now he is an heir of how many things? All things. So how many things do we get to be a co-heir of him with? All okay, so we don't always see that we have access to everything, but we don't always see everything. That's why Paul says we look not on the things that we see, but on the things that are unseen. The things that are seen, they're passing away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so I look at the all that we have access to and then choose to steward that all and take care of it as best I can. And he says, you know, You've been faithful with a few things. I'll give you authority over many things. And, And so this is our life as stewards of the all of heaven. When we think with an abundant mindset, we never think, oh, I don't have enough. There isn't enough. We go, wow, you have everything. Yes, I think I'll just step into that everything and start taking care of everything, even what isn't mine. Because mine and yours. Is, is a mindset of limitation. And this has to do with healing. Because you're sick, but I'm not. You know, But if you're sick, the whole body of Christ suffers. And so that's why we step in and we pray for you and bring the truth and the kingdom to you. And you can say, oh, you have to have faith if you want to get healed. Well, what if they're just so miserable they don't have any faith? They've tried for so long. That's when we step in and we become their faith. And that's okay. Jesus, he praised people who had a lot of faith. But what what about the guy who didn't have any faith and was complaining? The guy at the pool of Bethesda. You know, Jesus comes up to him and goes, Do you want to be healed? He goes, there's nobody to put me in the water. Everybody gets there first. I can't, I can't ever get in the water when it's turned. What did Jesus say? Oh, you complainer, shh, come back when you have faith. No, he said, stand up and walk. And then after he healed him, he said, go and sin no more. He didn't tell him he had to give up complaining and whining and moaning and you know all, all that he was going through to get healed. He healed him, and then he said, now walk it out. In abundance, walk out in abundance. And you know, the interesting thing, I've heard people say um, Jesus didn't heal everybody because he walked through that place and he only healed one guy. So he didn't heal all those other people who needed healing. But exactly, that's my point. How do you know? Because if you're going to imagine in your mind that Jesus is walking everybody by everybody and not healing them, which it does not say, well, I'm gonna—I'm not gonna imagine from a place of abundance that he walked through and cleared the house, and then said, "How about you? You want to get healed?" Uh, nobody put me in the water. <laughs> out of here. <laughs> you know, if you're gonna imagine under a mindset of limitation of what isn't happening, I'm gonna imagine out of a place of abundance of everything that is happening. Shoo. Ha. people say what about the guy at the uh, gate beautiful that Peter and John healed well he was there for 38 years and Jesus never healed him It, it never says that and so don't build doctrine of limitation based on what it doesn't say in the word but go on the truth of what it does say because that story about the man in the pool of Bethesda It's a story about God's care for one person who had no hope and no faith. And God cared so much for him. And that story is more important than whether or not there are other people in the room. John's just telling a story about one guy. I saw Jesus care for one person. And if he cared for him, he'll care for you. Because you don't have it all together either. Ha! (laughs) Ha! Uh, and we as a church need to stop telling people they don't have it all together when they need healing. Well, you must not have enough faith. You must have sin in your life. You must have unforgiveness. There must be generational curses on your life. And we lay all these chips on some poor person who's sick instead of going, hey, I'm p- part of the body of Christ is sick and I'm going to step in right here with you and bring the abundance of heaven. There's been a, a steal, kill, destroy happening in your life. And I'm going to partner with the Life and Life More Abundantly program and bring you hope and life and joy. Yeah, We can do this. Does this make sense? See, it's simpler than we think. It's really a whole shift of bringing the abundant mindset of heaven to the limited mindset of this world. Because, see, we've been delivered out of this place. It says in Colossians 1.13, we've been delivered from the power of darkness and transported into the kingdom of the Son of his love. How much work did we do in that sentence? Zero. Zero. <laughs> he did it. He took us out. He saw us under the power of darkness. And, and I was reading this one day, and I, is this okay? Does this make sense? And, and I felt like God said, Read that again and tell me what were you delivered from and what were you transported into? I went, I was delivered from a power, the power of darkness. Oh, but I was translated into a kingdom, the kingdom of the Son of His love. See, a power and a kingdom aren't exactly the same. A power is strength and might and maybe authority, but it's the power of darkness. So it's the power to keep us in the dark. You see, we think when we, you know, it, it says in um, Corinthians chapter 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So they don't see the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, lest it would shine in their hearts. Okay, so what he's saying is this kingdom of abundance, this kingdom of glory and light is everywhere. It's not, uh, you know, a place that oh, we, we would hope we would get to. Eternal life isn't a whole bunch of time After we die, eternal life is is no time at all. It's life that has no beginning and no end. It's abundant. It's everlasting. There is no limit to life. And we've been brought into it. And now we have abundant life. But it's everywhere. Once you see it, you realize it's everywhere. Just say it's everywhere. But there's a God of this age who's blinded the minds of unbelievers. And I would venture to say unbelieving believers. If there could be such a thing if we don't realize a oh, way you opened heaven for us and we have access to everything then we're still under the limitation of this world and the way the enemy blinds our minds is through lies he said Jesus said he's a liar and the father of lies and he gets us to partner with the lies and the most common lies are lies of lack and limitation all that I'm not and all that I can't have, all that I don't have, all that can't happen in my life, all that won't, all that I've never seen happen, you know, it's all those that limitation. But we've been delivered from that. We don't have to fight our way out. And see, the power of darkness is the power of those lies to keep us in the dark. And when we're under that mindset of limitation, we feel like we've got to work and strive and work really hard to get out of it. So if I am not experiencing the love of God, I've got to work really hard as a a Christian to, to get God to love me. There's nothing you can do to get God to love you or to get him to not love you. Love is who he is. It isn't dependent on you. And so... Under the mindset of lack and limitation, performance is the biggest problem. Anybody ever experienced performance, religion? Yes. How much fun was that? <laughs> you never can perform well enough. But when you realize you've been delivered from the mindset of performance, you know it, it, it said in first, Is this okay? Is this making sense? In 1 John 5:19, it says, "The whole world lies under wickedness." Now that wickedness, um, I was just looking, I had a, a definition. Yes, here it is. That word for wickedness, it's not just moral impurity, though it, in, it includes it. The word for wickedness there means full of toil, labor, annoyances, hardship, harass, disease, blind, full of striving and performance. That's the mindset of this world, is that and sometimes a mindset of Christianity, when it doesn't understand the kingdom, is this striving to be good, to do good, to be good enough, to get God to love me, to, you know, whatever. But we've been delivered from that lack and limitation mindset of this world. We've been transported into a kingdom of abundance. And a kingdom is different from... Just a power, the power of darkness. A kingdom is an orderly system. A kingdom has, um, yeah, it's, a kingdom has abundance. It's got welfare, safety, blessings, a thriving economy, fruitfulness, order that brings prosperity, benefits, protection, justice. And the kingdom takes its character from the character of the king. And who is our king? Yeah, he's wonderful, He's Counselor, He's Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. And this is the kingdom we've been brought into, a kingdom, a never-ending kingdom of abundance. And so we, you know, we need to begin to look at our lives and say, wow, am I thinking under the mindset of lack and limitation, the mindset of this world? Or am I thinking under the abundance of heaven? Am I adopting a heavenly mindset? Where am I going? Okay. And I just ask God, just reveal in me every place where I'm thinking in lack and limitation. Because I want to repent of that. I want to, you know, break agreement with that. And I want to realize I've been brought into a kingdom, an eternal kingdom. And I want to live in the abundance of heaven. And it's not all about, you know, it's not greed. It's not me building my kingdom and getting everything I want. It's the generosity of heaven as a river that flows into this world. And I want to be part of that river. I want to see lives change, economies change, nations change, peoples change, healing change, everything change. Till the knowledge of the glory of God covers the earth like the waters cover the sea. Shoo, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. Let's stand up for a minute. Jesus, God, we really have, you know, we were born into this world and we have adopted a lot of the principles of this world and a lot of the mindsets of this world. But in any place where they don't agree with the principles of heaven and the mindset of your kingdom, we want to break agreement with them. And we want to we want to gr- be, yeah, We want to understand our full transportation into a kingdom of abundance. And we want to represent that kingdom. You say we're ambassadors for Christ. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We want to live and experience and be the proof of your good and pleasing and perfect will. The abundance of heaven, the generosity of heaven flowing into this world like a mighty river, like, like under, underground aquifers watering the world and where deep wells drilled into the river of God and bringing up water to, to water a dry and thirsty land. Yeah. We want to partner with your life and life more abundantly program. Yeah. We want to break agreement with lack and limitation in the mindsets of this world. And we want to be those people that change mindsets, that change atmospheres, that change places, that bring hope into a hopelessness, yep. that bring abundance into lack, that bring life where there's death, bring joy where there's the grief, distress, and depression. Yep. We want to be those people who bring heaven to earth. And so we, we just declare with Jesus, and calling you our Father, yep, the one who reigns in all of heaven. Yep, let your kingdom come, and your will be done right here in earth as it is in heaven. Yep. Let it come. Let it come. Let it come through us. Let your gifts and your callings and your fruit flow through our lives. Let Yep, we want to believe everything that you say is true. We want to read your word and and be changed into believers of it. We want to f- begin by just agreeing with it. Yep. Just to agree with what you say is true. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Yep. Amen. We're going to take a little afternoon coffee break. <laughs> can I tell you one amazing testimony before we have coffee break? You can sit down for just a second and then we'll take a break. I'll just tell you one testimony. Okay, so we were doing a healing conference in, uh, in the French part of Switzerland and the, the Swiss are very systematic. <laughs> very orderly and um my team was very disorderly. We were all out in the snow rolling around laughing and just enjoying the presence of God. They were in the kitchen of this church in a circle praying orderly prayers for the meeting, which is a great thing. I mean, it's a wonderful thing. We just were a little bit different from them. <laughs> so we went in to join him in prayer and we come bursting in like big snowballs and you know, rolling into the kitchen out of this place. Um, and, and there was a young man who was standing, uh, leaning against the stove, and he was you know, really red-faced, and, and I didn't know his situation. What I didn't know was that he was the worship leader, but he had had pneumonia for a week. He'd been in bed. Uh, he couldn't breathe. He was sweating. He was hot. He was, he, you know, I mean, he was just sick. He was so sick. And that day, he thought about calling and saying, hey, I can't lead worship because I've had pneumonia, and I'm in bed. I can't even hardly walk. You know, I'm, I'm sweating and can't breathe. And then he had this thought. Oh, but it's a healing conference. <laughs> and so he came. And so he's in the kitchen, just ready to pass out, leaning against the stove. I don't know any of this. I just burst in with my team. You know, we're just full of joy. And I walk by him, and I just hit him on the chest and go, bam! Bam! And all of a sudden, he goes, (gasps) he goes, I can breathe. And all of a sudden, his fever left, his pain left. He could breathe, and he led worship that night. He was instantly healed. I didn't even know yet there was a problem. And one of the young Swiss men in the circle went, bam, that isn't even a prayer. (laughs) Ha! Hey, when you know what you carry inside, it doesn't matter sometimes what the words. Now, words have power, but what we're releasing is a kingdom that's inside of us, and, and, and that's what we want to release, whether we've got the words or not. You know, the Holy Spirit sometimes just prays through us with, with groanings that words can't utter, and sometimes bam is just that thing, and boom, So you have permission to bam anybody around you. <laughs>